Ethical disclaimer. While Diana and I are psychologists, we aren't your psychologists. Reverse psychology, while hopefully fun and informative, is not a replacement for therapy. If you're interested in speaking with a therapist, please check out some of the links in our episode description. Also, Diane and I are both deeply passionate about psychology. Common with things you love, we may get frustrated, but at the end of the day, we hold sincere respect for psychology and psychologists. Now, on with the show. You're listening to Smooth Jazz. You're listening to Smooth Jazz. Do you think that I could could have a radio career in easy listening radio DJ? Yeah. Do you think I can have a career in sleazy listening? You're listening to two people doing it. The stuttering voice of Dr. Mike. It's the first uh, dictated memoir. <laughs> it's like... It's so hard to get through. It's so hard to get... The audio book is so hard. Yeah. yeah. We're recording on our new table today. I know, we're on our new table. You are twice as far away from me. I can't touch your knee with my knee anymore. You're emotionally three times as far away from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm being withholding. Yeah, we got a new kitchen table and it's magnificent. Yeah. It's great. Sent a picture to my mom. She loved it. Post-century vintage. I, she said, can you send me a picture of the table? So I sent her a picture of the table and then she commented on the rug. That's good. Way to go, Irene. Yeah, good job, Irene. Way to focus. Way to keep us guessing. Also. This is Reverse Psychology, the podcast. Reverse Psychology. I should say it. We should say it loud and proud. Welcome to Reverse Psychology, the podcast. Welcome to Reverse Psychology. How are my P's sounding? They're popping. They're like first thing in the morning, a little hard. They're pippy popping. Pippy popping. I am Dr. Diana. I'm Dr. Mike. Hey, Dr. Mike. Hi. <laughs> okay. So there's a couple of things that I, I mean, Dr. Mike is the topic holder. The topic whore of the day. Yeah. I do want to talk about the person that we really, 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 really want to get on this show. Bernie Sanders. Yakov Smirnoff. Yeah. Where's he been? So we have. I think it's we Yakov. A, Yakov. Yakov we had Shmirnoff. a very lively conversation about him last night that's why we need to be always be recording abr AB, abr for amsr Where, how did it how did the conversation start oh i feel like you 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 started saying something in like the cadence of a yakov Shmirnov joke i thought you i lit for a brief moment i had a stroke and i thought you were making a yakov Shmirnov reference you're like, in my place, we do this. And I was like, is this a Yakov joke? And then we, d- we were worried that he wasn't alive anymore. No, you were. You said he's dead. Yeah, which is afraid. kind of your go-to. I feel like you go to that a lot. Yeah. Like, I don't have object permanence. <laughs> the moment someone's out of my field of vision, I'm, I'm assuming they're dead. <laughs> Piaget humor. Oh, yeah. So Piaget good. joke. So good. For those keeping When does object permanence start and end? How old am I? When does it start and end? When does it go away? Well, it does. It's a stage. I mean, it, well, it well, always no, you, is there. You develop no, it. It stays. It's kind of like, when does, <laughs> when does language start and end? Oh, my Nana, she's post-language. <laughs> oh, that's true, though. It does go away. Like when not, you, for, not for everyone. That's the part of a disease. When you get really old, you, lose, you probably lose object permanent. Hopefully. What do you mean, hopefully? I just feel like it's 
very it's like poetic and romantic if you're just slowly going backwards in the stages you're benjamin buttoning you're benjamin buttoning your stages of development i think it does go maybe go away when you start to have dementia probably oh for sure it does for sure oh for sure we should add stages to the PIJ stages, then we then we can rename them. Well, they are getting longer. I mean, not longer. They're starting later. Not yeah. the Piaget stages, though. No. Not the, the early development. The, but Eric the later Erickson. The later development is getting longer. <sighs> Man. It's tired in here. You're, you are not excited enough. Yakov. Yakov Shmirnov. Who is ya- he to the field of psychology? Okay, the... The saddest and funniest thing about his profile from Wikipedia. From his dating profile? Well, first of all, he's 68. He's alive. Oh, one more And well, two kids divorced. His kids are divorced from each other? (laughs) He's divorced. He has two kids. The saddest, funniest thing about his career is that it ended in the late 80s with the fall of communism. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because his jokes weren't relevant anymore. Yeah. No, that's the best. Like, it's he took such a gamble. He's like, you know what's never going to go away? Fucking communism, baby. I'm going to make all my jokes about this. It'd be like if you were like, my my entire shtick is Windows 98. That's never going, that's never going to fucking die. iPhone 1. iPhone 1. <laughs> yeah. The, the, we're, we're all those comedians. Yeah, they're they're obsolete. So Yakov became obsolete because his jokes about communist Russia weren't relevant anymore. I know. He had to pivot, Yeah, we call it. In satellite states, Yugoslavia, it just didn't have the ring to it. Satellite. <laughs> Do you think we can... Real, okay, but real the, talk. How okay. much do you think we would have to pay to get Yakov Shmirnov I really, on this podcast? I don't think anything, honestly. No, because he, he has his master's in psychology. No, he has a doctorate Fuck. in psychology. We need. Do you think we can have him as the third co-host? So this is the... Oh, this, my God. This is the progression of Yakov's life. Born in Yugoslavia. Okay. No, born in the Ukraine as, when <gasps> it was a part... I know, he's, you're Ukrainian. He's, he's probably related to you. Yeah, I can pretend. I can catfish him. So he's born in Ukraine. Ukraine, didn't speak any English for a very long time. Okay. Surprise. He has a really thick accent in English still. I thought that was an act. No, I, I think like, it, like genuine. Like Bobcat Goldthwait, like that voice is an act. His, oh, I know. And so that's that's why I thought Yakov Shmirnov was doing a voice. Well, he is. It's just his own voice. Yeah, he's just being himself. Okay, so born, so in, born Ukraine, in Ukraine. Chose not to speak English first. Yeah. It, but it was when the Ukraine was a part of the USSR. It was the breadbasket. Back in the USSR. Oh, we're going to face so much. Oh, shit. To the Michael Jackson Take estate. Take it out. Yeah. Cut that. And too late. They already heard. They own all the Beatles stuff? Paul McCartney told Michael Jackson to invest his money more like wisely. And he was like, yeah, these are some options you can like invest your money in. And then that, I think like that same day, Michael Jackson went and bought the entire Beatles catalog. And Paul McCartney was like, you fucking dick. Hmm. I mean, for many reasons, he had a lot of yeah stuff going on. Yeah, Michael Jackson's like, you think that's bad? <laughs> Wait until there's leaving. a documentary that's going to come out yeah. in twenty years. This is going to seem tame. Yeah, <laughs> this one's this <laughs> is not going to be mentioned. Paul McCartney. Yeah, it's, it's purely background noise. All right, so Yakov, born in Ukraine. I'm so glad we're sticking with this thread. Born in USSR, part of USSR. At some point, he starts to catch wind of the U.S. Oh, yeah, who fucking told him about the his U.S.? His parents moved here in the 70s. He had joined them in New York in 77 and started... His parents left him behind for seven yeah, years? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. It's, it's, a, it's a bit blurry. These are all the questions. I'm legitimately going to email Yakov Shmirnov. Okay, so... 
he had a, a pretty solid career from like 80 to 89. He told jokes. He, his whole like shtick was his observational humor about the U.S. and how it's different from communism, Russia, communist Russia. Yep. He would always say, what a country. What a country. And Russia. Uh, a grocery store, powdered milk, powdered egg, baby powder. What, what a, a country. country. We have no gay people in Russia. There are homosexuals, but they're not allowed to be gay about it. The punishment is seven years locked up in prison with other men. And there is a three-year waiting list for that. Your Yakov impression is Oh my god, my Bob would be so upset. On. Yeah, so so real hard hitting humor. Then when communism I mean it's still around, but when the fall of In America, of- you always <laughs> find party. Okay. Good. In Russia, party always finds you. Get it. That's about communism. The party. What a country. He almost. Di- this is a fact from from Wikipedia. He almost didn't get into this country because he was too funny. No, when he, he didn't speak English, when he came over, they said, "What's your line of work?" And he was working through an interpreter, and he said, "Comedian." And the interpreter said something like interp- interpreted that in English to mean like party party promoter or something yeah and so he had, he had one of those belts on with uh, the led lights it's like where's the party at he had like wristbands his, and like his, miller light his career was to stand outside of nightclubs to trick people into coming in so he so because the interpreter said that the u.s thought he was part of the communist party like who would come over here and be like oh i really want to get into the Oh, this is the other thing. In the 80s, U.S. had a program where they would take in defectors from the USSR in trade for wheat. So they would take... We would take your people and yeah. give you wheat? Or would, no. you, would they come with wheat? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to read that part. Yeah, so like if I'm taking you into America, are you coming with wheat? Or do I, I have know. to give them wheat? Because I feel like on the one hand, I, I feel like, well, I know that in Soviet Russia, they were starving because my babu and my grandfather were refugees mm. but they were not able to rap and so <laughs> I, I can see they it. weren't lauren hill they, yeah no it was the original fujis were lauren hill babu babu <laughs> wyclef jean this is the other thing about yakov he fucking he roomed with andrew dice clay oh my god in la when they were both pursuing like stand-up how much oh my god how much just all the tail those two dudes are pulling ladies walk in they're like oh how do i make this sophie's choice between yakov Smirnov, the greatest communist-based jokester and the dice man i mean he he had like such a i i don't want to make this episode about him we're already 45 minutes in no we're not he helped robin williams with his russian dialogue in the movie moscow on the hudson no he was in that movie. Yeah. Moscow on the Hudson. Robin Williams was in that. And he helped him with his Russian dialogue. He also met and befriended President Ronald Reagan, who, surprise, surprise, loved Yakov's comedy about communism. Yakov, that's a really good joke. He, he ended up being contracted by the speechwriter for Reagan to write things that were relevant to communists in Russia. The last thing I want to say about Yakov is that okay. he reinvented himself. 
You remember, remember, the, remember the part in the beginning where you're like, we don't need an outline yeah. that's stifling. Okay, I just want to say one more thing. Okay. He reinvented himself in the 2000s by going back to school and getting his master's in psychology. And then after that, going back for his doctorate from Pepperdine in psychology. Yeah. So he graduated two months ago. I want him on this podcast ASAP. What was his dissertation in? Oh, that's probably communism, something communism. While Mike's looking that up, I'm going to talk a bit about our five-star reviews. Five-star five reviews! We got that some... was unpracticed. Yeah, we did it. So we got some new reviews. Pretty excited. You guys all heard about TT last week. We got nickname 23432. This podcast is great. I've loved psychology since college and have been looking for a fun podcast, all one word, fun podcast, where I can learn about the mind and why we do what we do. Keep it up. Oh, thanks. This is from M. Theward. Thank goodness for this podcast. Thank goodness. I, I love it. It's fun. It's a fun and funny take on important things in psychology. Thanks, M. Finally, we have a Rev Psych super fan. Self-titled. Pretty sure this is our friend Brent. Just going to say his name loud and proud. And then we're going to dox him. He is... He wrote us a little poem. He is one of our favorite fans. Yeah. Honestly, he will listen to an episode and then live message us quotes from the episode. Yeah. Just days later as he's listening through them. Yeah. I love it though because it makes me feel less crazy because there's things I think are really funny. Yeah, And I'm like, maybe I'm just really narcissistic. But then he says, no, this is funny. Yeah. Which I like. So we're going to have to do this one in parts. This poem that he wrote us? Yeah. So I'll, I'll start and then we'll, we'll interject throughout the show to add more. Okay. This is a poem written by a super fan. We're no strangers to love. You know the rules and so do I. A full commitment's what I'm thinking of. You wouldn't get this from any other guy. I just want to tell you how I'm feeling. Gotta make you understand. I think we should pause it there and start with the topic. All right. And we'll check back in. With Brent's review. With Brent's review. Let's get this pumped up. All right. So just to remind everyone. What did we talk about last week? We talked about false memories. False memories are memories. That are false. That are false. Memories that we believe happened that actually didn't happen and are influenced by various words or ideas that people provide us with or environmental factors that can help convince us that these things truly did happen. So last week, Dr. Mike went over the Elizabeth Loftus study. Was that her? Yeah. Yeah. Your person in a study, you see a car accident and then you're asked how fast were the cars going when they hit each other? How fast were the cars going when they crashed into each other? And how fast were they going? When they smashed into each other. When they smashed into each other. And so depending on which group you're in, if you're in the smash question group, you're more likely to say that the cars were going way faster than in the hit group. Your recollection of the speed is faster as a product of how the question was asked. Right. False Um, memory. Yeah. So last week we had talked about the Slate study looking at how many people will report remembering a story that was false after seeing a 
picture of the story. So they were shown doctored photographs and then shown, uh, oh, do you remember when this happened? And a lot of people did. And so we had ended it by saying, well, there must be some other applications other than news stories. And I said, you know what? It probably is. Yeah. And then three times now you've told me that the article you want to do today I'm really excited about it. Yeah. I like, showed people at work yesterday and they were like, that's a great article. That was my impression of you. To story I do love when your impression of me to me. <laughs> it's always like, it's always like rumor. I do love when we're at a party. And they're like, the other day, Mike came home and he was like, <laughs> it's just really, it's a window into how you feel about me. And it's, it's a cold, frosty window. Your laughter shows that it's accurate. Yeah. There is a big impact of false memories in therapy. That's kind of like the framing of what we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because in the 90s, there is this huge uptick in reports of childhood uh, sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. CSA. And so the uniqueness of this was that in the 90s, they were recovered memories. And so the one Mm -hmm. distinction in a lot of these studies that I'm not going to keep repeating, but just kind of upfront is a lot of this research is not looking at just reporting of abuse. It's looking at people who recover the memories of abuse and then report it. Like, is this hypnosis stuff? In part. So it's, there's some there's some therapies that we'll later talk about, things like hypnosis, recovered memory therapy. In the 90s, there's a lot of people practicing basically under the assumption that to cope with traumatic events, your brain may basically wall off that memory right, and keep right. it buried, but you'll have the behavioral problems for it. Mm-hmm. And so let's say you, and this is not, for the listener, this is not accurate, but let's say that you were just like a lot of drug addiction, a lot of like self-interest behavior and just like really interpersonal problems. Can I just interject really quick with self-injurious behavior? There's a there's a distinction truly in the field. Mm-hmm. I want to I wanna be careful about this because... There's self-injurious behavior, SIB, which is found in kids or adults with autism or other developmental disabilities mm-hmm. that, you know, something looking like head hitting or eye, eye gouging is one, mm-hmm. air swallowing is another. There's a whole range of SIB behaviors. We often refer to those as non-suicidal SIB because, yeah. and actually this could go for like excoriation, skin picking, trichotillomania, hair pulling, all these different things, right? So they're NSSIB. So they're non, again, non-suicidal self-injurious behaviors, as opposed to self-injury that is truly meant to harm or damage or be suicidal in nature. Right. So I just want to make that clear. Yes. Let's say you were showing, because even like within the personality disorder world, there's a lot of non-suicidal self-injurious behaviors mm-hmm. like like cutting and stuff like that right but let's say you were doing all those things you go see a therapist and the therapist is saying oh there how, must be a reason how was your childhood what was yeah. going on and you're like you know it was fine my, both my parents worked there's no abuse blah 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 there, there still is this big risk but in the 90s apparently it was a much larger problem where therapists were like no there must have been abuse you're showing all the signs of someone that was abused as a child so there is this theory that you were abused, but your brain put a wall around it. And to get the current behavior to stop, we need to break down that wall and work through this abuse that you can't remember happened. This is another, this is so interesting because, Thank you. Um, well, yeah, for many reasons, but also because I come from a behavior analytic framework, we really just deal with the behaviors we can observe and the behaviors that are occurring that we can observe, that we can see. And a lot of people feel like that's uncaring or like leaving out a large portion of what's going on behind the scenes. So these things that we classify as what 
private events, which are thoughts, cognitions, we we know they're there. We just don't give them a lot of credence in terms of our treatment. Mm -hmm. And so kind of what you're talking about and this whole time we've been talking in this podcast about how our brains trick us. There's all these things that happen that our brains tell us the story about what may or may not have happened, cognition and emotions that are not valid, things that are going on inside that like may or may not have an impact on our behavior. So from a behavioral standpoint, we just look at what's going on and gear our treatment towards that. Right. And so A lot of this stuff comes from this world where clinicians would start to do these very specific therapies that were helping, quote unquote, helping to uncover these memories. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, there is this big trend in recovered memories. Yeah. And a lot of cases would start popping up where people would start accusing people of childhood sexual abuse. Yeah, yeah. And things would go to court. And then it was found not to have happened, which is really damaging because it, it it really damages the relationships. It damages... This person's view of mental health, but at the same time, it also makes it much more difficult for someone who had genuine childhood abuse because there's always this worry of like, oh, you're making it up, or there's this is just a this could be a false memory, right? Or people were really like families were torn apart by some of this. It was a big problem, yeah, it was a huge problem. And so, how easy is it, or how likely is it that false memories can get created? The first one. Uh, by Ira Hyman. <laughs> probably should have. The <laughs> probably should have what? Probably they probably should have changed that. Uh, it's by Hyman, husband and Billings, which sounds like like a really weird law firm. But Hyman, it's called H Y M E N. H Y M E M A N. Hi, man. False memories and childhood experiences. So what they did was what year? This is from. 95. Ooh, so it's in the mix right of in it. the middle. And they they talk a lot about like. Right now, there's a lot of these false memories popping up and like the, the spontaneous recovery of memories. And so what they did, there's two studies, uh, but essentially in study one, what they did bef- before participants came in, these are all college students. Mm-hmm. So if you were to volunteer for the study, they would get the contact information f- for your parents mm-hmm. and they would contact your parents and get stories <sighs> of specific things. I feel like this wouldn't be allowed now. Maybe I don't know. It, it depends on it, it, it depends be. on what you're. Yeah. yeah. So the, it would they would just basically, basically be like, tell me about a vacation you guys went on. Tell me about like one hard thing that happened when this person was a kid. Tell me like they had like very specific ones, and they were really targeting like between three and six that age range. And so then you would come in, and I would prompt you with, all right, so I got some stories from your parents. I want to see how close your memory matches what your parents said. Hmm. And so I would say like, uh, your family vacation when you were five. And then you would be like, oh, we went to Disney World and blah, 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 blah. Hmm. And then if there were details that weren't consistent, I would be like, are you sure it was Disney World? Was it somewhere else that you may have gone? And then give you the chance to correct it. In that, I would make up a fake one. I'd be like, the time you got lost, age seven. Mm. And like it didn't happen at all. It like didn't parents. happen. There was no okay. no context whatsoever for it. But up front, I tell you I talked to your parents. I talked to your parents. Okay. I got information from this. I'm looking for how well it matches your parents' memory. And time one, no obviously no one could remember the false memory. But Oh, that's interesting. Eighty one percent of people remembered the true memories mm-hmm. and zero percent could remember the false ones, which makes sense because mm-hmm. they're false. They didn't happen. But when you were in a false memory one, I would give you a lot of details. It'd be like, Oh, all right, I'm gonna help you clarify. You were at a Kmart. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? 
oh, you were six. You were really crying because you got lost in the Kmart. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? And then like giving all these details in this interview style. A few days later, I bring you back. Oh. And then I ask you the same prompts. I'm mm-hmm. like, do you remember your vacation when you were five? Mm-hmm. And 85% of those memories. So basically, you remember more of the true stuff even better. Mm-hmm. But... There was an uptick of 20% where people would remember the false memories. So they would give details from the false memories. And so through this this interviewing style, I'd be like, all right, remember when you got lost? And you'd be like, yeah, I was in a Kmart and I got lost. There was still a large large portion that were like, no, I don't think that ever happened. But 20% were like, yeah, totally. I remember that. Mm -hmm. I I got lost in this Kmart and blah, blah, blah. I want to say too, since there were a couple things. One, I said that I don't think it would pass IRB because I thought you were going to say. Oh, they faked like childhood abuse? No, that they called the parents and asked, was there any childhood oh, abuse? Oh, yeah, no. That's what I wanted no, to say when you no. kept going. And then the other thing that I wanted to say about it and that we can talk about more in later issues is that whole idea of like the college student issue with studies. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of people, like a, like for a lot of undergrads in psychology, you have to participate in studies as a part of like your psych one class or whatever college students are the white rats of psychology yeah yeah so like i mean this happened to me i was a psych undergrad major it's also a little bit more specifically where i went to school uh you participated in experiments if you needed extra credit in your courses oh really not only is it psychology students but it's like the the top the 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 hardest working no it's the dumber ones that like are failing the classes and need the extra credit point it is is very bimodal it's like the super high achieving yeah right and it's the ones that are like i don't go to class i have an f i need this yeah we had to participate in two studies i think in our psych for our intro to psych class and and like you had to show documentation that you did it so as you can imagine in the university settings what there's like a program that every school i've ever worked at it's like the program for studies like sona Oh, I've never even heard of that. Oh, cool. I went to college when you still had to... Like paper sign up? A, yes. And B, when you were researching something, a topic, you had to go look up, use the Dewey Decimal System and find... The microfiche? Not microfiche, but you had to find the journal in Mm. like the third floor of the library and like a dark, dank area where all the journals were held. Mm. You'd take the journal out off the shelf. You had to find the journal and then you had to make photocopies of it. Yeah. I still had that though when I was in college. For all journals? Like when I went... It was like, I want to say that... I was in college when it started going online. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, if it was within the past year or two, I could mm-hmm. get it. But the vast majority, I would have to go get the journal. More commonly, I would have to go write down the journal or like sh- show the librarian and they would go make photocopies for me. Reminder to listener, we're different ages. We are. Slightly. Mike looks older. I look worse. <laughs> but also want to say, in case this factors into your experience of this podcast, Mike is shirtless it's today. Hot in here. Mike is shirtless recording. This is the first time you've it's, been shirtless recording. I wear a different time, wear a different outfit every day. Every every, every uh, day. Okay. Oh, I, I change my clothes daily. Yeah. No, I yeah, I'm in the middle of doing laundry. <laughs> okay. This is a different experience for me. It's a different experience for me too. I feel more free. Yeah, but you can probably hear the difference. You can hear my chest rustling in the breeze. <laughs> you can hear the skin on skin. It's <laughs> like when your arms come my down. My, yeah. That's definitely what it is. And rub against Yeah, it's kind of like that episode where I just wore a windsuit. <laughs> and you can hear me as I moved. Oh, speaking of, got to get back to that. Oh, yeah. Checking back Super in with... Super fan. Checking back in with Brent's, Brent's review. Got to make you understand. Never going to give you up. Never going to let you down. Never going to run around and desert you. 
Never going to make you cry. Never going to say goodbye. Never going to tell a lie and hurt you. That's so sweet. He's not. He's never going to stop listening to the podcast. I think that's what that means. That's what it says to me. So college students so, so he's college in students. studies. The whole takeaway of this thing is basically in an interview format, 20% of people will start to take on the, the memories that they're, they're given. Well, I'm laughing only because that was not what I was going to say. Oh, I was just trying to get back to the topic. I know. I want to get back there through this. Okay. Segway. I thought we did so so seamlessly. <laughs> Segway. Segway, which is spelled S-E-G-U-E. A uh, segue? That came up on a crossword puzzle the other night and I my mind was fucking blown. Mm. Segway. It's good. It's not how you think you spell it. Nope. So college students in studies is a huge problem because, and this still happens because a lot of studies are done in university settings and you have undergrad students who need credit or extra credit or whatever. So a lot of people complain that studies are not necessarily always generalizable to the population at large because there's a specific subset of individuals Mm -hmm. who are the subjects of these studies. And so if you can imagine, it's like this group of 18 to maybe 23 year olds, largely white, white, upper middle class, upper middle class. And so just because you're getting these results from the study, is that something that we'd find in the larger population? Yeah. So still cool, like still very cool to like look and dissect these studies, but it's good. It's it was it's, always, it's, it's always good, good to look to see. Yeah, who the subjects are. Yeah, who is it? Who is it done on? Okay, cool. So in the, all that study was basically saying is people have a tendency to start to take on the memories that they're they're prompted for, especially when there's some. Yeah, it's really cool. There's some belief that like, oh, like your parents told me this happened. People over time. It's crazy that two days later they wouldn't have remembered that that was a false. Like that's so that's the big takeaway from this one is so essentially a lot of this false memory research it's and this is what we'll see in this next study the one I really want to talk about is that people who have a tendency to develop these false memories they have both weirdly good and bad memory mm. so they have good they have good recall but they have a very difficult time to recall where they learn something. Mm. And so with these people, the people that take oh. the false memories, it's essentially they remember the details, but they can't remember that they were told it by the stranger experimenter. And they truly believe this happened to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because our memories are flexible. It's adaptive because when you look at like a brain scan of both recalling the past and looking into the future, the same part of the brain is working. And so we use the same brain function for both remembering stuff, but also making a prediction of something. It's easy to get confused on, are we imagining or are we actually recalling something? Because it's, it's they're, they're not two different parts of the brain, hmm. the same feature. So from this idea, they, they started to apply it to childhood abuse, which is very problematic because all of these, because they would, they would take participants who have reported childhood abuse and they would ask, they would do these like experiments on false memory. But in, even in all the studies I found at the end, they're like, but we can't show whether or not right, it really happened. It really happened or they were abused. And so, it's, well, you can't do a randomized control trial on childhood abuse. That would mean you separate out and have some children that you say, oh, abuse these children. Yeah. And then you have other children. You're like, don't abuse don't these touch children. these kids. And then we ask them 20 years later, did it happen or did it not? Right. That's a problem. That, that's a problem. That's we, unethical. I know. We need to abuse kids randomly. <laughs> this researcher who I've developed like a, like a professional crush on because of her... Is it a woman? Oh. It is. We need, okay. We'll talk about it later. Um, because of her line of... Re- her... Not even her line of re- research. Her line of research is What's in false memories. Name? Her name is Susan Clancy. All right. And the crush is purely based on 
the participant pool that she chooses to pull from. Okay. I'm going to uh, I'm going to let you read the title of this study. Can you toss it to me over the plant? Thank Our you. Our table's too long. I can't hand you stuff anymore. Aww. What do you want me? To- the title. Oh, <laughs> this is a good one. So this 2002 article that I'm holding in front of me is memory distortion in people reporting abduction by aliens. Yeah. That's awesome. So they, the workaround for false memory, because all the other ones were like, trauma stuff that you couldn't hard prove it happened or not well i'm not saying are you saying that abductions are not real so i want to skip to the discussion (laughs) section because she has this line that is beautifully written okay if one assumes that the events reported by the subjects in the study aside alien abduction are unlikely to have occurred the data is consistent (laughs) the basic issue is like you say data is the, the data are. Okay. I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, data is plural. Yeah. I read it too quickly. But basically, she's like, if you think that they're full of shit, then the study or hypothesis awesome. yeah. is true. But basically, so what they did was they, they... How did they find people who... This is done at Harvard okay. University. Oh, okay. I've heard of it. And so basically, they put an ad in the paper. It was like, oh, have you ever been awesome. abducted by aliens? That's great. We want to know about that memory. Oh. And what they did was they found two sets of people so so basically what the big picture what they're looking at is the difference between having a a memory of something and then having like a a later recovered memory of something Mm -hmm. and so they took all these alien abductee people how many people did they find in that area in the boston area uh like 20 or 30 it's it's smaller it's a smaller study but so basically quick backup do you know the like the most likely reason that people feel like they were abducted by aliens. The, the, the second, like the first one is that they're actually abducted. The second <laughs> likely reason. Mental health. No, actually. So these people were all screened and had zero diagnosable stuff. Sleep paralysis, usually as a mm. byproduct of sleep apnea. Oh, okay. And so essentially sleep paralysis is when one of the key things your brain does when you sleep, it releases a chemical that will paralyze your body. That way your muscles can heal. But with sleep apnea, you stop breathing when you sleep. And mm-hmm. so sometimes your brain will force itself awake while it's still paralyzed. I've, I've, I have woken up in a, when I've been in sleep paralysis. <gasps> it is fucking terrifying. You're one of 15% of people. Did you see anything? N- uh, no, I just, okay. I, I woke up and realized I couldn't move and was so scared about the experience and then just like had a minor panic attack and yeah. laid there until I was like, oh, well, my body's never going to move again and finally moved again. So hallucinations are super common with it. Actually, one of the most common one is, and I, I think it has something to do with what your eyes are doing when you're sleeping, but the outline of a black figure in front oh, of you, yeah. which is, uh, so I talked to someone at work who had that experience and they were like, it's fucking terrifying. Yeah, it is really scary. You- and it's just a coat rack with a coat on it yeah it's just a coat rack with a little hat on it uh <laughs> but yeah you wake up you can't move you can barely breathe yeah and really scary. you see a black figure at the foot of your bed mm. of the people that in this study and they actually make a note too of people that report alien abduction almost all of them have diagnosable sleep apnea that's not treated huh. and so usually it's a sleep paralysis problem okay and so basically what they did was they, they found these people one subset of people said Oh, I was abducted by aliens and later recalled this memory. Other subset said I was abducted. I don't remember what happened. I just remember feeling paralyzed. And then ha- and then they would point to like other things. Like I had scratches on my arms or like I was wearing... My clothes were different, but I don't remember what happened. 
Hmm. There, there was no group that they found that said, I was abducted. I remember all of it. I remembered it from the morning I woke up. Um, Sorry, just reminded me of how often you bring up this idea of like, I woke up, my fingernails were dirty, and my pillow was gone. <laughs> yeah. Don't remember what happened. Oh, it's like, how did you sleep last night, Mike? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I woke know. up, dirt on my fingernails, woke and my pillow was gone. <laughs> one work boot on that I've never seen before. <laughs> <laughs> that had mud on it. it had mud on it <laughs> and i had loose sand on my bare foot i don't know where i went <laughs> it's two different experiences two different experiences for each for leg. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i had a wild night <laughs> Sorry. i was wearing a snuggie backwards it was just a bathrobe <laughs> okay so what they did was they somehow managed also to find a control group of people that didn't report any alien abduction they didn't say it, but I feel like that probably took the longest time to find. <laughs> they put an ad in the newspaper saying, if you've never been abducted by an alien, <laughs> call us. We want to know your story. <laughs> we want to know the experience of never being abducted by an alien. <laughs> and so they, um, they interviewed them. They did all the screening to make sure they didn't have any like loonies. Yeah. And then what they did was there's this, there's this really common experimental paradigm where basically... I give you a list of words that all relate to the word sweet, but mm-hmm. I don't say sweet. Mm-hmm. And then I give you a recall test and I slip sweet in there yeah. to see how likely are you to right. get confused. And what they found was that if you were abducted by an alien, quote unquote, and you have this recovered memory, you're also much, much, much more likely to slip that word into that list. So basically to have this re- this recall of a detail that wasn't there. Right. So recall studies are like, I read you a list of words. I wait, either wait time or don't wait any time. And then I tell you, tell me as many words as you can remember. Yes. Yeah. And they also had the added piece of, I'm going to show you like two Two choices, circle the choice that you saw before mm. and like in a series. Right. And they, they would slip in. Alien. Well, yeah, they would slip in probe. They would slip in uh, like cattle. No, they, they would add in the word that's related but not in it. And if you, were, if you were in the group that recovered a memory of being alien abducted, mm-hmm. you're also much more likely to falsely remember seeing that word. So basically it just says that you have that tendency already to falsely remember things, which is like a tr- like a tr- a trait, which is mm-hmm. also a lot of the studies in the childhood abuse. That's also the common thing where if you had a spontaneously recovered memory, mm-hmm. you're also much more likely to falsely remember these word lists. Hmm. Just like it's, it just sounds like it's a tendency that people have, mm-hmm. where a subset of the population just is more likely to create memories. Oh, okay. How does this manifest in therapy? How does this manifest in therapy is that. If the therapist wants to find trauma, if they, they can, feel yeah. like there's some something going on through interviewing, through questioning, through like real specific plant things. Yeah, you can very easily trigger these things. Well, and not and we talked about this last week, not maliciously no. or advertently. And in a way, it, it's reinforcing for the therapist because it's like, oh, right. I knew it. Right. I knew there was an Here issue. Here it is. Again, not to kind of plug behavioral therapy, but I just want to say like it, it truly what we believe is like, we're not going to deny that there are private events going on, but what matters is what's happening in the present moment and what's observable and what we can do to, to target that. 
Oh yeah, no, I have I have a lot of people that come to therapy and are like, I feel like something worse happened when I was a kid. I really want to work. Th- I want to find out what that thing is. And the more you tell that story, the more you believe it's true. Yeah. So not only like it, it's not even like false versus unfalse versus not false memories. It's it's that even if it is a true memory, every time you tell it, you're reliving it and you're giving more credence to that story. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And more power over that story. Yeah. And so uh, with a lot of these, especially like in the alien abduction one, what they're saying is the more they talk about it, the more they're also adding in details over time. And the people that have a a stronger tendency towards creating these new memories, they're the ones that have a difficult time to remember where they learn stuff. Mm. And so their their hypothesis was these people were likely people who like saw something in a movie, saw something in TV or whatever, and over the storytelling of that sleep paralysis, we're adding in details without being able to remember, oh, no, no, I saw that on TV. I didn't, it didn't happen to me. Mm -hmm. And so they're much more likely to confuse their imagination with reality. Hmm. Back to Brent's review. Yeah. All right. Another line. We've known each other for so long. It's been like two years. Your heart's been aching, but you're too shy to say it. Mm-hmm. Inside, we both know what's been going on. Ooh. We know the game and we're going to play it. And if you ask me how I'm feeling, don't tell me you're too blind to see. Refrain. Give up. Ooh. Never going to give. Never going to give. Give you up. All right. Yeah. And then it repeats itself. Thanks, super fan. Thanks. That's a nice little poem. Rev Psych, super fan. You should set that to music. <clears throat> that would make a great song. That would make a great song. Couple of exciting things. Should we talk about? Sure. Things? Uh, we have more subscribers. Yeah. More. More likers. More likers. More subscribers. More likers and more look- lurkers. Lookers. More lookers and more hookers. We're super excited. Thank you guys for liking us and thanks for listening. We got one new subscriber while we were recording this. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, the other thing is uh, we have stickers. We're going to keep. Oh, also shout out to a um, friend of ours, a friend of a friend who played PQR in her class. Yeah. She's teaching a maybe an undergrad psych class. Yeah. She played PQR with them. We're infiltrating the education system. And uh, hopefully that brought us some new listeners. Yeah. Hopefully they learned something. Yeah. Welcome, undergrads. Well, welcome to the fold. Yeah. If you have questions, comments, feel free to leave questions on our Facebook page, comments on our Facebook page. Email us Email stuff. us. What is it? Rev.psychcast. At, at gmail.company. Would you trust someone with a Yahoo email account? Less. Hotmail? Would it, what's your all. order? Gmail. Top. Top is personalized website. Oh, like so at. If so if it's like doctor at this company.com. At like, okay, like bestclinic.com. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. Like you, you're paying premium. Yeah. Uh, then Gmail. Okay. Then probably Yahoo. Mm-hmm. And then. Where does is AOL or Hotmail? That I, that's actually the debate I was having in my head. <laughs> What's worse? I think Hotmail then AOL, then the bottom bottom one mm-hmm. is the one that comes with your cable subscription. Oh, my parents have that. I know. I get I get patients that are like, "Can you email me at blah 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 at at Comcast?" Yeah. I was like, "No." <laughs> No, I want to no. entertain emailing can, you. At we can that. get you a Hotmail account, though. That's part of your therapy. Yeah, your therapy setting is setting up. You're never going to become an actor with that email. <laughs> Remember why I didn't? 
I almost didn't work with that realtor because she had an AOL. Yeah. What, what kind of performance a, is she going to do? What kind yeah. of adult? Yeah. Sorry, anyone who has. This Would you a, mind if I aim you? This is a public service announcement to just update your email, I guess. Yeah. If you comment and it's from. An, an, we love all types. We accept all types. Love we're is very love. accepting. Love, love is love is love is love. But at the same time, <laughs> we'll love you harder <laughs> if you have a better email. Uh, also, updates. Uh, the mice are still on the wall. But their days are numbered. We're getting tented. We're, we, we love them so much. The circus is coming to the house. <laughs> the circus is going to go up. And then we have a fog machine. They're, they're going to love it. They're going to die. <laughs> Goodbye, Mickey and Minnie and Minnie and Mickey and Mickey and Minnie. And Minnie. So that was a good episode today. I loved it. I loved you. <laughs> I love you too. I love you too. <laughs> See you next week. See you next Tuesday. I'm more nervous about the poop levels in the some beaches. I think Sarasota. On the sand or in the water? No, just the poop levels in the water. They've had to close some beaches. Because of poop? Yeah. I think it's like sewage runoff. What? What the fuck is going on with our world? That happens though a lot actually in California. There's poop, they have to close. poop in the waters. California yeah. cannot. California has cannot Parkinson's basic. Yeah, Calif- California is now the Michael J. Fox of the country. I'm going to California in a couple weeks to visit family, and I'm not excited about experiencing an earthquake. Oh, can you do me a big favor when you're in California? Bring back it. Bring air. back an earthquake. If I don't want this to happen, because I want you to be safe. If an earthquake happens and you're you're in like a, a public area. The moment it stops, can you yell out, I'll have what she's having. Depends on how big it is. If it's serious, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. That'd be the funniest thing. Like, it's just this horrible thing happened and you just... Here's uh, another PSA for everyone. A pi- another Piaget for everybody. <laughs> don't... you? We grew up thinking that you're supposed to stand in a doorway. No, don't. That's like the worst thing, apparently. Now you, we know. You go into a field. No, no, you don't run outside. You you hunker down under a desk or a table or something and hold on to the table. What I learned as a child, if you're getting bombed by an airplane. Did you have drills like that? Yeah. I did not have those. That's we crazy. had those because uh, I, I don't want you to feel bad about where you grew up. But in upstate New York, it, it's kind of like a hot spot for bombings <laughs> because the Russians knew that if we could just knock out Utica, New York, the dominoes start falling. There are a lot of Ukrainians there. Yeah. That's why it's called Utica <laughs> for the Ukrainians. We would have to go to the gym. The, the fifth, the third through K would sit on the ground against the wall with their hands over their faces because while faces will melt, the backs of your hands are impervious. And then and in, in our culture now, I don't think you can do this, but then fourth through fifth graders who are taller and larger, then stand over the crouching children <laughs> with their faces against the wall and their hands over their ears. So like their genitals are to yeah. your face. <laughs> so if you're going to die from a bombing, the last thing you see is a sweaty fifth graders junk Shit. in your face. <laughs>